Hey listeners, Scott here. And in this episode, Joe and I catch up with a longtime friend of the Llama family, Bob Young. Bob is a retired United States Air Force senior enlisted leader, and he currently serves as Chief Network Operations Branch, Air Force Research Labs at Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Bob shares the story of his recovery from cancer, the importance of compassion and empathy, and the leadership perspectives he has developed throughout his journey. Enjoy. Live. Learning. Leadership. The Llama Lounge. Welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is your host, Scott, and with me today is my partner in crime, Mr. Joey B. How's it going, Joe? What's happening, Scott? Good to see you. Yeah, you too. You too. I, I feel like it's been a minute. Oh, no, we've been chatting the past few days, so it hasn't really been every many... every, every day, at every least five day. or six times a day. Every day. I'm, and I'm really excited about it. It's awesome. Uh, you're, you're excited to chat with me every single day? Yeah. Yeah, I can understand. Absolutely. That. Who can, wouldn't be? I, well, I know. Yeah. I know. My wife. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I can see that. I can see that. What's going on with you lately? Any, anything new? We're, we're getting ready to break into a new year. Any, any goals um, that you're setting up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I hit my goal. I, I pretty much got all my goals done for 2020, which is great. Um, had had a just smattering of different types of goals and some of it was with the llama lounge of course but yeah. some other ones like running and getting into new physical activities so I was able to knock all those out so actually this week I'm um, I'm doing some deep work sitting there and writing down um, what I'm gonna what I'm going to work on for 2021 and the only thing that I really have so far that I know for certain um, well only two things is one I'm gonna really explore my faith a little bit more mm-hmm right? Well, a lot more. And the other thing that I'm going to uh, try to do is run 1000 miles while I'm in this deployed environment. And I'm almost at 500. So we're about halfway there. So hopefully I'll be able to knock that out. Very cool. Very cool. Good to hear. Good to hear. It's 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 that good time of the year. We know 2020 was a little bit different of a year for most people. So now it's a, a good opportunity to, instead of looking back on on the challenges that we had in 2020, it's a good idea to start looking forward to what we can do in 2021. So that's good to hear. So we have uh, an incredible guest as usual at the Llama Lounge. We've been pretty blessed to have all these amazing people come into the lounge, but uh, our guest is somebody that uh, I'm pretty familiar with. Uh, We used to work together uh, back in uh, Scott Air Force Base at the Professional Enhancement Center. And our guest today is Mr. Bob Young. Bob, how's it going, sir? Oh, it's wonderful. Wonderful out here at uh, Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's beautiful. Very cool. So for our listeners, Bob is a retired United States Air Force Cyber Operations Airman with a strong background in resiliency training and professional development. He is currently serving as Chief Network Operations Branch, Air Force Research Labs in Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He's also a father and a husband, has an amazing beard, and he is 1-0 in his mixed martial arts career. Welcome to the lounge, Bob. Glorious Thank beer. you for that wonderful introduction. Yes, 1-0 yeah, forever. He is 1-0 forever. Uh, we might have to get into that in the in the topic in, in the discussion today. So, Bob, I know you're from, you're originally from Albuquerque? 
I'm a military brat, so this was my dad's final uh, assignment was here, basically at the comm squadron on the same base where I'm working at now. So Full circle. Uh, yeah, full circle. So my last high school, I guess my high school years were here in Albuquerque, so before I joined the military. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about your background as far as um, give us a timeline of where you started at, obviously, Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, and give us a little bit of uh, your background and, and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, so, you know, I have a proud background in, in military uh, lineage just from my, my mom's dad being a, a pilot in the Air Force and my uh, dad's dad uh, being uh, a maintainer in the Air Force. So, you know, with that lineage and, and just it was pretty simple that I was probably going to be in the military Uh that's just kind of what all I knew and what I was going to do. So after, uh, you know, like in the air force, most, uh, a lot of us enlisted and reason why we're so smart, a lot of us dropped out of college, you know? <laughs> so a lot of us had full rides and that's why, you know, the air force has some of the most bright enlisted people ever. Cause most of us are just college grads, college people that probably, you know, just dropped out and needed some more discipline. So that was me. Um, and so joined the Air Force in 96, uh, went to Keesler and um, started doing uh, programming, but that just didn't work. Luckily, you know, I was a good airman and they stuck me over in like uh, sysadmin type work. So from there, I went over to uh, Randolph Air Force Base and that was great. Uh, working the old audit in traffic, getting, you know, fatality messages, casualty messages, because, you know, the headquarters there was there. So that was definitely interesting for my first career. And then they started spinning up the NOSCs and getting all, you know, cyber ready. And so I was kind of at the, the beginning of that. So that was really interesting. So when they had the, the network uh, operation squadron, you know, the centers, things like that. So that was really neat when they started grabbing everybody's email and Getting, getting rid of no, Lotus Notes and going strong Microsoft. So I get to see the beginning of that. So that was really neat. So, and from there, you know, did some, uh, went up to, went to Korea. You know, everyone does that. It's a good time. Did some combat comms. So they basically gave this guy that was, you know, just having floppy disks in his hands and they handed him an M16 and said, hey, you're a combat comm now. So here's your two weeks of training. Um, so that was a lot of fun. That was cool. You know, uh, swimming in Benjo ditches. That was great. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then I uh, went to Scott Air Force Base and found out there's actually weather people in the Air Force. <laughs> uh, didn't realize that. That was really cool. And then uh, uh, on purpose. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. There's there's weather people that actually, you know, uh, I didn't realize that they, so, uh... they use weather to kill people better. Uh... So that, that was really cool. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I showed up and I'm like, what is this weather? Okay, um, sounds great. And, and from there, you know, I met Scott at the, uh, um, the enlisted development, you know, the professional center and all that. So that was a good time. And then uh, went to Dias Air Force Base and found out that uh, there's aircrafts in the Air Force that I never helped or supported really directly. And uh, the B-1 was really cool. And I was up in that for for a while deployed with the b1s and then went over to the comm squadron and uh you know worked at the ncc the network control center and then uh, also did some non-diamond wearing shirt stuff so that was really cool um helping out the airmen in, in that capacity and um yeah so 
it's kind of a little bit of my career. And then I got out. <laughs> and, and now you're where you're at. So you, it, and it sounds like, uh, I know your story a little bit better than most probably, but you ha- you've had a pretty good career. I mean, you, you've got to see a lot and do a lot. Um, what were some like significant challenges that you had early on? Did you have any, uh, I know you had a, a major health issue early <sighs> on, didn't you? Yeah. I'm glad you, yeah, we can touch base through all that. I didn't do the best of describing my whole career. It was amazing (laughs) and difficult and there was so many people involved. So I didn't want to just spend an hour talking directly, but yeah. So um, interesting thing was um, early on in basic during that time, you could choose, you know, um, different career paths. Like I had a comm was already selected due to my scores and everything. So I had the guaranteed job but I also wanted to do combat control. So, you know, you could pass the pass test and then later on make a choice of what you wanted to do. Um, Luckily I picked calm because I found out when I got to tech school um, that, you know, I came, you know, I was going through all my training and uh, finally one day I just went to the hospital uh, in the triangle and uh, this, this, I think he was an LT. He just took one look at me and threw me in the ambulance and brought me over to, uh, at that time, they had a big uh, medical facility. And I'm sure you knew, uh, Kurt, I guess Keesler used to have a pretty good med group, or mm-hmm. they might even have been a wing, I don't know. But it was a pretty big building. And um, right away, they diagnosed me with testicular cancer. So, so, so yeah, go ahead. So what was what what got that lieutenant's uh, attention on that? Were you doing a full <laughs> or... Well, let's just say um, testicular cancer, things get bigger, um, you know, Mm. since it is testicular cancer and other parts don't grow with it. So there's probably an issue. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's tons of jokes there and that's part of, and as you'll see, as going through a lot of these issues, um, comedy and and laughing kind of helped me through a lot of this. So how was kind of my way. Um, 20. So... Yeah, I was 20. You're 20, um, you're, in, in, yeah. you're invincible, probably the best shape of your life. And then, but yeah, pretty bam. good. And then, yep. And then, you know, it's it strikes 18 to 36, I think is what it was. Same type of thing, you know, um, Lance Armstrong. Mm-hmm. So, and it spreads out through your body. His was pretty bad. Mine just went up to my lymph nodes. Okay. So, you know, I had a tumor that was connected to, you know, which they thought would might be connected to my back, like my mm-hmm. spine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's an interesting thing if you picture, you know, getting told that news and you're in tech school and, um, you know, there's no cell phones, no Facebook, nothing like that. And there's still pay phones. Um, so that's always an interesting story as, you know, I, I, I remember going down the escalator because if you've ever been to Keesler uh, and there's a pay phone in the lobby, I think there was two on the left if you were going down and I had to call my parents. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, that was an interesting thing to call my mom and dad and actually have to tell them, you know, hey, your you know your son has cancer on a payphone, you know, and, and calling them uh, collect, which was also fun too <laughs> during that time. So you know, it was it was great. You know, I had so much support during that time, and and I don't know where you want me to go with this, and you can leave me if you'd like. But um, yeah, so through tech school, you 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 have tons of. Um, different therapy and things of that nature. If you wanted me to go through it, I could, you know, kind of paint a whole picture of that while I'm going through tech school. It's kind of interesting. 
So what, what was the recovery, I, I guess, the length like? Because I know you, didn't you end up getting a rib removed or part of a rib removed? <laughs> yeah. Or something so, different? Um, no, no, that's actually it. So, you, you know, I had two surgeries and a bunch of chemotherapy. And I did this while I was actually still going and taking courses in tech school. And that was one of the reasons, you know, when we get to, you get med boarded at the end of this and they decide whether you can still go on in your career. And, and that part pay, played, you know, paid a lot of, uh, basically gave me a lot of leverage when they kept me in due to the fact that I kept striving to go to class, even mm -hmm. though, you know, I was sitting there in class drinking barium sulfate, you oh. know, cause I had a CAT scan, you know, or what is it? Yeah. The CAT scan, I think for that or the MRI or whatever, but you know, I've got this gallon of barium sulfate and I'm just pounding it because I've got a scan there later that day. So, um, you know, and it was great for the airmen too. So, you know, you would do chemo and there would be one time where I'd have to sit in a hospital bed for a whole week. So the tech school was really good that they may keep me out of a class and put me back in another class with some other airmen. Mm -hmm. So I may had to, you know, step out for a month okay, and then, and then go back in. So, you know, I had my first surgery and they cut me from basically the top of my um, ribs all the way down to, you know, my pelvic area and opened me up. And it was like a 12 hour surgery. And to get at the tumor and all that stuff, um, they had to, re you know, they removed a rib and um, I asked them to keep it actually. And I still have it in my office. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. yeah, I know it's biomedical, <laughs> but and it's great. It looks a little charred. So it's, it looks it's, like, you know, I might've grilled it. It's one of those, so, uh, you know, <laughs> attention getter. It's a, it's, you know, you can get, yeah. start off a good conversation with it. So yeah, I've seen, it's I've seen pretty it. Small. Yeah. Yeah. So, but so it, it's, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, so that's, I mean, that's, that's gotta be like, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking life changing, right? I mean, cause you're 20 years old, yeah. you're about to start on this new career in the military. And all of a sudden you get this, this challenging news but what was your, I mean, knowing you as long as I've known you, you've always been uplifting and always been positive. What was it? Did you have any downtime like where, where you were just, you know, just frustrated with it? Yeah. Well, not really frustrated. I mean, truthfully, it was probably way harder for my parents looking back now that I have some reflection. But at that time, you know, you, you had said my age just made it easy. You know, one of the things I did when the doc, you know, there's this major sitting in front of me telling me, you know, hey, you know, you, you, there's a percentage. And I kind of asked him, I said, you know, if you were going to die, where would you go? You know, and he just kind of looked at me and I, and I was just like, okay, what's my percentage? You know, I had like 40% chance to live. Hmm. And to me, I'm like, okay, I, I, I don't really looking back and I've done it a few times. I don't ever remember thinking that I would ever not conquer it. Right. Like, and, um, and, you know, and when you're in the treatment, there's, there's people around you that had HIV at that time, um, you know, brain cancer. I remember being in the hospital with a guy and not finishing a game of chess and then coming back the next day and that person not being there. Wow. So, um, yeah, when you, when you have that, yeah. you know, it's all perspective when you see people worse off than you and you go, oh yeah, you know, look at them, they're fighting. I got this, you know? So I've kind of carried that with me everywhere I go. I think, and thanks for sharing that. Cause I know, I know it's not always easy to, to, to share that type of stuff with folks, but I think um, that's, that's one of the things that I've always admired about you when, cause for those folks that don't know, uh, Bob and I used to work together at Scott Air Force Base 
at the uh, Professional Development Center. Uh, I was the uh, first term airman in COIC and he was, a, uh, he was the FTAC team leader at the time. Um, and then eventually I became the career assistance advisor and he came on as the uh, uh, FTAC NCOIC. And one of the things that I always appreciate about him is no matter how bad the day was going, how much we got chewed out by a commander or he, he always had like the best attitude or the let's go get it, let's get after it, you know, whatever the, whatever the issue was. And I think one of the amazing things that I learned from Bob was he never like, there, there was a period of time when I was quick to fly off the handle and Bob was always like the more relaxed, like this is no big deal. Let's get through this kind of person. And do you think that comes from just kind of going through that experience and, and just kind of carrying that attitude with you? Um, yeah, I, I definitely do see that. I mean, you know, even before I joined the military, I had a friend pass, you know, in front of me when I was at his house. Um, so there's a lot of people I live for. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think that whole, you know, I, I just live for those people. It's like, I, I, if I was them, I'd want to kick my butt if I wasn't living the, my life and doing things right. positively. And, you know, I basically see them as ghosts, like, you know, wanting to hit me in the head. Like you have this amazing mm -hmm. life. You better not give up. You better enjoy it, you know? So, wow. and it is kind of tough yeah. to talk about, but yeah, I just, that's what I see. And that's what I feel. Hey, Bob, do you think that um, that attitude of not really ever feeling like you weren't going to conquer it? Do you think that when you're reflecting back on that, do you think that helped you get through it? Oh, oh, definitely. A hundred percent. I mean, um, just even re recovery, you know, a part of it is basically chemotherapy is killing you. You know, that's what it's basically mm -hmm. doing. It's killing cells. It's going through your body. I mean, uh, I, rem you know, it's even, it's so bad that like when you would pee, you would smell the chemical, you could almost see it, right. you know, and mm -hmm. I think things have come a long way, but yeah, if I didn't have right. that, that positivity and, and even like, uh, not wanting to be different and, and going back into class and being with airmen mm -hmm. and even friends, you know, on the weekend, I was tired, but I, you know, we'd go out on the little rivers out there in Mississippi and get on like knee boards and I would fight mm -hmm. and claw to get up on that knee board. And, wow. uh, and, you know, I, I probably shouldn't have been up on it, but those type of things kept me normal and just living life and, and, uh, not quitting, you know, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because I asked that because I just feel like, you know, we we don't talk about that enough, how you can will yourself to assault through some of the circumstances that we're put in. Right. And I think that's a huge part of it. And people don't often I think people underestimate the power of their willpower and their mindset to get through um, even the most traumatic situations, you know. Yeah. And like I said, it was harder for my parents, I believe, looking back now, I, I when, when I have this conversation, the more I have it with different people, you know, my, my parents couldn't do anything. I, I had all the, um, besides the doctors and nurses and things like that, helping me, you know, it was all on me, you know, eating the right things, um, staying healthy, still being positive, um, you know, taking medicine, doing all the things the doctors asked me to. And, and at least I had a choice. I had actions I could do. My parents just sit back and like, you know, nothing they could do. They just sit there and, and just pray, I guess, you know?
Yeah, so, yeah. You're still, that's a unique perspective to have, man. You're, you're definitely a special human being to even think like that because most people that age would be thinking, woe is me versus, man, my parents must have it rough going through this. You know what I mean? So kudos to you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and, yeah go ahead. No, go ahead, Bob. Oh, I was just, yeah. And when it, you know, it hit me, I, I really, I mean, there was no chance like now at, at age 45, you know, you, you have, I think more, about life and you know how long it lasts and things like that but at 20 yeah I was you know I could jump off a building and I I could picture myself just rolling and landing and not hurting myself (laughs) you know what I mean like now I do that and I'm like oh my gosh I'd be I'd be taking 800 (laughs) Motrin for a month you know like it's just a different perspective so like I I I really had no and it might have been you know and the other thing it might have just been stupid 20 year old male, you know, that I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. Just like, yeah, there's no way this is beating me. I'm living forever, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, yeah, no way. And then I'm sure that had something to do with it too, because, uh, you know, truthfully, until I met Scott and became part of FDAC, um, I had a lot of these leadership things going on, but they were not focused in like, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have had the perspective to talk about it like I do now. Mm. There's no way. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think more if it was just, you know, a type personality from sports, you know, uh, just always a go getter in high school, high, you know, getting good grades. I, I think just a lot of that kind of pulled me through looking back at it differently now. But at first, yeah, it was it was probably just most likely just, you know, stupid male <laughs> not knowing any better. <laughs> You know, it's nice to look back and think that you, you were just probably this awesome person and whatever, but no, it was probably just, I was a dumb male, didn't even understand what I was going through it, you know? (laughs) And that, so yeah, there's a lot of that too. Yeah. We'll take some of those too. Dumb luck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things that I always appreciated is that, um, so when, when I worked with you, you would talk me into going to do stuff that I just didn't really want to do. And then you would like make me feel bad by just kind of look going, you know, I used to have cancer. And, and so, so we, we want to go do gotcha. these crazy, want to go do these crazy workouts. And it's like, Hey, we're going to run up these hills and we're going to carry medicine balls. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not up for that. And he'd be like, you know, I had, and so all of a sudden I'm like, all right, if he's gung ho to do it, then I'm going to be gung ho to do it too. And, yeah, we should take up jujitsu. I'm not taking up jujitsu. You know, I had cancer. Okay, fine. We'll go take up jujitsu. And so, um, but it's one of those things where it, for me, it's that reflection. I'm like, I'm able-bodied. There's nothing stopping me from going out and doing these things except myself. And you got that motivation from someone who's probably been through something way scarier than I could ever imagine going through saying, yeah, let's go do this. We, we, we're not dead. We should be able, we should be out there doing things that are productive and better for us. And even if they're a challenge, we can at least, uh, like Joe says, assault through. Um, and so, but one of the other things that I, I really appreciate about Bob is that cool demeanor that you always had when you were, like when you had to counsel somebody. And, you know, there are times where, you know, someone would show up late for, for training or uh, for, for PT or whatever. And, what would you do to them? Like you would bring them into your office and they would come in out feeling so guilty for being like two minutes late. And, 
and you didn't hear any screaming. You didn't hear any name calling. Bob would just, I don't know, you got to share your, your skills, bud, because I don't, that's something that we can all learn from. Cool. Um, I mean, first off, you have to get to know him and that FTAC environment was a little rough because, you know, it's like two, three weeks uh, to get to know all these people. And, um, you know, that, that really was a challenge, but something that I, I strove for was to try to figure out what, what drives these, these young people that are joining the military and, uh, you know, wanting to better themselves and whatever the reason, you know, we always talked about it, money, education, you know, just wanting to, you know, kill bad guys, whatever their motivation was. But um, as, you know, as leaders, we always talk about, you know, the Batman belt with ways to, to counsel and, and do things. Um, I was always a big proponent of, you know, you know, LOR, LOC, you know, that, that part is really at the end. You know, it really, if, if people don't care and don't give a crap, um, that's when you almost just have to go down that route of, you know, getting them out of the Air Force type stuff. If, if there's any care, um, for the most part, you're going to get them on the right path before all that. You know, if, if you have all these other tools that you learn from people going through life. And uh, for the most part, you know, we would just talk and explain and just see, first off, see how they're doing. That's the first thing, because most of these brand new people, you know, people to the military, you know, we had our few where we just kind of had to hand them over and just say, here, mom and dad, take them back, please. Um, but for the most part, they want to be there. And there was a reason why they got where they're at. And so a lot of times we would just talk about that, get to that point, get them back on track. Why, where, what was your mindset when you came in and why? And this is what's going to happen if you keep going down this route of not meeting expectations. You know, we, we would talk a lot about that. And mostly I'd let them talk and then just listen and then let them know of what's going to happen if they keep going down that path. Because truthfully, you know, you know, Scott, I, they didn't do anything to me. You know, it's not, it, it's the point where, and that's where people get it wrong is like, sometimes when you're, you're giving this, don't take it personal. You know, it's about them. It's not about you. <laughs> it's about either getting them back on track or figuring out what's wrong, what, what got them to this situation. So it's a them thing. People put it on them. Like, oh man, I have to give the counseling. I've got it. You know, there's so much, this is stressful for me. And really, it's an all about them thing at that point. So I, hopefully I answered that. It kind of went all over. You can get me on point. No, but. that, that was good. I, Joe, I, I thought I thought it was good. I think and, and that's the, that's the thing is I think sometimes we forget to find out what's going on with them. We're mm -hmm. so focused on the yeah. violation or the or the, you know, whatever they did to break a rule or policy or whatever, which is important. Right. We want to make sure we address right. that. But to dig a little bit deeper and find out what's going on with them, why, why were they late? Right. Why are they having this issue? Because um, usually you can uncover so much, and and I think that was one of the great things that, that the talents mm -hmm. and the leadership skills that you have, Bob, is you really got to know people. Like you really got to understand who they were and what motivated them. And when you do that, you know how to steer them in the right direction. And I remember one of the things that you did on a regular basis. Um, you know, we're, we're dealing with brand new junior enlisted airmen who <clears throat> really, other than boot camp and, and tech school, this is their first time being adults. Mm 
they are now sort of living on their own with very little home ec social type skills. And so Bob was like, hey, if you're going to go buy a car, let's go out. I'll go out with you this weekend. If you're going to open up a checking account or whatever, I'm going out with you, you know, and, and, and taking care of them. And you, you treated them like family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so that was, that's, you know, that's what we, we throw that word around a lot in leadership. We say that, Hey, we're family, we're family, we're family, but do we really treat the people that we are responsible for? Like they are family. And I can say most people don't do that. They just throw the word around loosely. Yeah. It's that, that whole part of, you know, in that comprehensive airman fitness part, the, the part that I love the most, and it goes hand in hand with that is having those A and B conversations you know, cause they're always so excited about things and, you know, you listen and you, you know, you kind of make note of some of the, the red mm-hmm. flags, mm-hmm. but don't, don't throw it in their face that, 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 that conversation, you know, kind of make a note right. and bring it up at another conversation. So when you do that, you make notes of those red flags that, you know, 700 airmen came through during my time there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you make notes of those and you go, okay, how can I pre, you know, I've seen all these errors maybe we can hit them beforehand. <laughs> you know? yeah, so you make a mental, yeah. You make a mental note of what have, what have they done yeah. and what, how can we maybe fix this before they do this? And so those are the type of things we'd have conversations, <laughs> you know, and, and even green, I, I know you remembered we, you know, they'd have the, the jerk jerk at briefing. Yeah. And then yeah. we would talk about, we would have a real conversation about like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we'd have a real conversation about, the birds bees type stuff just so they understand what's going on and like you know pregnancy and how much that costs and you know state laws and and just thinking and you know are you dating that person that never wants to leave illinois right well you're probably pcsing in four years or less do they know that (laughs) you know are they going to leave their mom and dad you know we would have a lot of these conversations this realer talk that just would make them think so they don't make some of the same mistakes that other people did when they're, you know, senior airmen staff sergeants. Yeah. It's amazing. And I know I get it and, I, and I'm pretty sure you do too. Um, I still get messages from people that came through uh, first term airmen center when we were there. Like I, I remember leaving and I've been retired almost, f- I've been retired for five years. And so it was probably about 10 years ago when I left that position but I still get folks that reach out and we're still connected and they'll, they'll still ask for military advice, which is funny because I, I feel so far removed sometimes. I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can look at your EPR, but I don't, I don't know what they're looking at these days. Um, but it's good to know that. Uh, and, and I'm sure Bob, you, you could probably say the same thing for yourself that, that there was a difference made there. It wasn't just to get them in, get them in process, get them out. It was really trying to establish some, some groundwork for successful careers and, and successful relationships. Oh, yeah. I mean, we still see it through social media and a lot of the, the people's lives we touched and families and, and things of that nature. I mean, how many have went to OTS and yeah. different places like that? And, um, you know, how much are in leadership positions right now? And um, how many have like, you know, they roll their eyes and say, oh, my gosh, I had to use the same kind of conversation <laughs> you had with me, you know, like and you told me I would probably have to do it. And now I'm leading and yeah, I, I'm having the same conversations you did. And they just kind of roll their eyes like, okay, you told me so, you know? Yeah. And I get a lot of that, especially like the brand new staff sergeants, even from airmen that I was supervising, you know, a year to four years ago at Dias, you know, 
oh my gosh, yeah, you were right. Now I'm handling that same type of stuff. So it's really great when you see those leaders that are going to be amazing uh, and you just kind of put them on the right path. And then they're starting to use a lot of the same tools that you provided them with their airmen. And they're coming back and going, yep, you were right. My bad. I was kind of, I was kind of a jerk. I should have listened. Now I see, I see what you were saying, the big picture, you know what I mean? So I love those conversations. I get those a lot, especially when I'm sending, you know, cause I don't know how you are. I keep track of like the promotion notices mm-hmm. and I send like, you know, little congratulation things. And I get that a lot, like afterwards, like, you know, thanks for that conversation. And I remember it and I just kind of chuckle and, 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 I can still remember what was said and and little nuggets that I passed that they actually start using. And it's great. It's great to see that. What is that? What is that called, Joe? World champion winning coaching trees. (laughs) World championship winning coaching trees. Yeah. 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 Like the Shanahan tree. Gotcha. (laughs) Yep. Correct. So I've I've got the, I'm 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 under the Verde tree. (laughs) Hey, we're Carol, all under the Verde have a tree, tree. right? So for, for those who are not just, He's still on. just winning. Yeah. He's still just winning. My, my last name is Green, and so Verde means green in Spanish and Italian. So. Oh, is that what it means? Never mind. I take that oh. back. <laughs> so, so people are hearing all these code words like the Verde tree. What are you talking about? Yeah, sorry. So, yes, I am under the Verde tree. <laughs> so how? So you you did your 20-plus your years – um, you moved back to, uh, I guess, home, right? Albuquerque, you consider home for you. And now you are, you're still in that calm world, but you're, you're doing it as a civilian, right? As a, as a, as an ops chief, ops chief, excuse me, uh, or, or branch chief. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a, I guess a section, section chief, you know, so like three letter. Yeah. So yeah. how, what, what, like, what are some major differences that you're finding now that you are, because are, are most of your staff, are they yeah. civilian or are they military? Uh, I have zero military. Okay. So yeah, it was, it was fun mm. because um, that was, that was one of the very scary things getting out. Like um, first off, I knew, I knew when to get out. Cause my daughter, she basically looked at me and said, Hey, I want to be around grandma and grandpa mm-hmm. and dealing with the, you know, same kind of conversations we had earlier about life. Like my mom and dad are still alive. So it's one of those things where, you know, I basically mm-hmm. hit the button that day. Like that was the easy conversation. Uh, you know, hey, let's, yeah, okay. And and they're spending time together, great. But I do know when I first came and I interviewed for the job at AFRL, everyone I was working for, I was told afterwards, you know, with the sigh of relief from them that they heard a military person was coming and they got really scared. They thought I was going to be <laughs> yelling at them and, um, you know, making them like, go at attention and, and things like that. So it was really interesting. And then come to find out, you know, a year later, they were loving it and the way the leadership was. And and I knew at that point also that, you know, if, if you're leading the right way, no matter where you're at in the military or whatever, um, mm-hmm. it, it works. It works anywhere. Yeah. If you, you know, yeah. we can all yell at somebody in the military and say, hey, do this. Don't do what I do. Just do what I say. And mm-hmm. we could probably get the mission done certain times probably not the best but we'll get it done but um if you're leading the right way um it mm-hmm. transfers anywhere yeah and that's so awesome. that was awesome Did i answer your question you can go off more on that scott i'm sorry but no, yeah that was, it's, 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 okay. that was good. i just I, I know for a lot of folks that uh have been in that long 
um, sometimes transitions can be can be a little challenging, right? Um, you know, what to expect, what to, how, how are you going to manage people in a different environment? But I, I think the the ticket for you was you've always had that natural, caring, empathetic style. So of course it transfers pretty easily, right? Um, you, from what I pick up from you is you make leadership about the follower, not about yourself. And I think that's where a lot of leaders make the mistake is they make it about them. Um, so you're, you're a very, uh, I would say a, a pretty situational type leader, right? You, you will change your direction and your flow according to the needs of the people that are following you. Yeah, and I'm very lucky that there are some military here that I can talk to and, and still kind of help. And, and they actually want to, you know, talk to me and ask me questions. So that part is still, you know, alive and well. So, you know, there's a couple of execs on both sides that I always make sure to introduce because I did exec duty too. And so mm -hmm. I know their pain, mm -hmm. you know, I know that, I know that world and that pain <laughs> and it takes years <laughs> off your life. But I also like to make sure that if I see them stressing at all, because as calm, I want to make sure they have all the calm they have. So I definitely want to make sure that they know who I am. Plus it helps when they don't tell their boss and they tell me if something goes wrong, I can clean it up before that. So I always like to let them know who I am. But I also like to see how they're doing because I know how painful that can be. And I always also like to express to them that, do you know how many people's lives you're going to change when you take all this information you're going to learn as an exec? And when you get back in your next job, mm -hmm. you will be able to exponentially expand all of their careers mm -hmm. just because of all that information. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I look at it when I go into a place is how many more people here can we just you know can can we make better so when they go somewhere else it's going to be better there too and so that's that's a big part of it yeah. you know it's and it starts as simple as you know i tell my daughter all the time and, and you know they're they're not as positive as i am all the time which sometimes <laughs> i make them sick but you know it's that yeah. whole thing like when you know it's that whole pay it forward thing which is done you know it's a movie whatever but yeah when you when you make one person's life greater that day they may go home and you know play with their kid and make their kid's life better i mean it's that whole thing you know not not flipping off the guy next to you while you're driving might change the whole spectrum of life for that person mm -hmm. you know so yeah it's that simple it's that easy mm -hmm. and, and i feel that way everywhere i go I say thank you and you know I I even tip well you know it's just one of those things even if it's not the best service because maybe they're having the worst day and me tipping well will make it better for everybody else that gets mm -hmm. that day so I live my whole life that way wherever I'm at mm -hmm. so I just try to make it better for everybody so that's a great perspective and it's yeah that's awesome man and you know what i really love too what you kind of brought up about working as exec and how you could impact people because a lot of people don't even uh, they underestimate what kind of skills like this peripheral skills that you gain from just being an exec or a unit deployment manager or all these other different types of positions and that you can take those skills that you don't even realize you're learning i feel like i always talk about the mr miyagi effect you know you're wax on wax off and you're learning <laughs> yeah. something else the whole time and you have no idea and, there, and there's so many opportunities like that when you get out of you know your, your your silo of whatever you normally do and go learn something else for a little bit for real it, yeah, it's definitely like that. You, you, I heard it a lot, even in my Zach duty, like, oh my gosh, you're working for him. He's crazy. He's, he expects this and this and this. But once you see why, like the Miyagi effect, like you said, once you see 
all of that hard work, uh, that whole Shawshank Redemption, you know, crawling through a, a mile of tunnel, coming out with uh, rain on the other end, um, that that whole crawl through that pipe, it, it was just so meaningful. And you come out and you've learned so much more. And yeah, it was a struggle. But, you know, did you die? No? Okay. You know, that whole thing. So <laughs> did you, you know, so I just, yeah, the amount of people I was did able you die? to, I could, yeah, like, and, and I'm like a lie exact duty. Like I, I had some times where I just was just, oh my God, if you just saw me, my eyes were in tears. And then when I, I didn't realize that the person knew my ability and I was holding my own self back. And once the chief got me to where I was and uh, I just realized that this person saw so much more in me and same, same with Verde, but I mean, he, he did it even more. And when I came back out of that exec duty, you know, I was uh, the next squadron I went into. I mean, we won every award we, you know, airmen that thought that no one cared, they were getting, you know, strats you know it was it was that whole thing they were getting you know the bumps on the eprs like everything like just the amount of people that i was able to put on better roads and and just get them to places they probably wouldn't have been able to it, it was really shocking to me so i definitely had to let people know like hey this is amazing if you can get this opportunity yeah it's going to take a year off your life but the amount of people you can impact is just ridiculous. And I'm, and, and there's tons of jobs like that in the air force and everywhere. But I mean, yeah, you need to look for those to help other people. It's great. So where does that come from for you? That, that, is it like an obligation to treat people better or do you look at it as like, like it's your mission in life? Where does that come from for you? Oh, that's a very good question. Scott. I haven't, Huh. Or is it just, you know, you if know, I'm nicer, I, then maybe they'll be nice back. I don't know. Like, you know, a lot, especially at work, it just makes work better. Like, it, you know, I, I don't like teleworking. You know, in COVID, I understand why people are doing it. But, um, you know, I like being around people, being at work. I don't know if I had the empathy before cancer. Cause right now, I mean, I can see a Sears commercial or a diamond commercial and I start tearing up, you know? So, uh, Especially on the holidays, that, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, Valentine's I, day. You know, yeah. yeah. So I, I just saw, you know, the, the new wonder woman and it's like, you know, the, the romance that it just gets me all teary eyed. So I, I don't know if I had that before cancer or got just more uh, intense, uh, because of that. Um, you know, I think I've just, I've lost a lot of people at an early age. You know, I had a best friend drowned when I was young and then um, another friend murdered and then, uh, you know, then the cancer and that was all pretty much in a couple of years. So I, I don't know if I really had it beforehand. It might, it's probably just a lot of that, but I, I can really feel and I, I, I don't know if I think I feel it or I do, but I can just feel people's pain. Yeah. And it touches me. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, and that's good to know. That's good. That's, uh, I, I wish more people had that mindset. Uh, cause, cause you know, a lot, a lot of people are so self, 
they're into self-preservation. So they don't want to give up themselves to help somebody else out because they feel like they're actually giving up something. Um, when, when you're helping somebody else out and you're actually taking the time and effort to develop other people and lift them up, you're actually, for me, it's, it's like a recharge for my own batteries, you know? And I don't know, yeah. but Joe, what, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think just there's, there's something about giving, right. And I think, um, and something I discovered and I was, I was, uh, reading the go-giver and it really talked about that feeling that you can give to others and how that can really energize that purpose within you. And I think, um, there's definitely a lot of that. And what I've also learned from that book is that I have to allow others to give to me too, because I suck at that because you're kind of taking away that feeling. You know what I mean? Like, cause I'm terrible at that. They talk about like you, when you don't allow other people to support you and give to you because your own ego, you're actually taking away that opportunity from them. So I've gotten a lot better at that because I think, I mean, the world's just so much better when everybody can give and receive, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just the way it is. I agree. I'm pretty bad at that too. I get, you know, blushy and I feel bad. I'm like, okay, stop, stop. But (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and so, and a lot of that is, you know, it's like, like Scott had said, um, you know, I, I don't know, I don't see myself as they, as they, you know, I'm six foot bald beard. Most people probably, if I'm smile not smiling, you know, probably think I want to murder them. Okay. Me inside. Until they, until they that, see the tattoo it, that says joy. Yeah. 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 So yeah. And you know, I, I, my favorite color is pink. I love T-Rexes and unicorns, you know, whatever. So that's the funny thing, like internal, that, that whole external internal and how you see yourself, Scott would put me in places that I didn't know I I could succeed and maybe make those opportunities for me that Mm. I, because the internal look of myself, he sees things that I'm great at that I think maybe I'm not. And so a lot of times is I think Mm -hmm. I am a better support role. Like I'm pretty smart, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at a few things, but I, I see these people and I'm like, wow, these people are amazing. Like if I put them in the right spot, they could cure cancer. And, And it might be a downfall on myself too, because I don't see myself curing cancer, you know? So I'm always looking to help people get in places that could probably do amazing things, better stuff than I could ever do. But what I can do is help them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. uh, And maybe it's a downfall on me is I don't see myself as the, the, you know, even in my job now, you know, you have doubts and everything, but people all the time are like, you're doing great. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you don't even know I'm holding on by a thread here. (laughs) You know? And, um, but, but I do know that I'm, I'm good at helping others. You know, I really wish. Uh, and so I need those people to come help me too, because yeah. they may see that I'm great at something and I have no, I'm not seeing it, <laughs> you know, like I, I would not be yeah. where I'm at without yeah. people helping me out too. Well, you know, and I think that you bring up a good point because a lot of times, you know, whether it's a mentor protege type relationship, a lot of times we project um, what we think they should be. And sometimes people are meant yeah. to be in the support role, 
or you know i mean maybe that's what what they what you know they were equipped with in life that's what they were born to do you know that's what their purpose was and i think that um we should appreciate that because that's not a bad thing we actually need more people not only being in support roles but being okay with it and being part of the team and you know and living to their purpose walking in that purpose and um yeah i think that's awesome that you you were able to figure that out and and i think all of us have that you know whether it's imposter syndrome or whatever else we're feeling yeah, yeah you know exactly. feel like we're hanging by a thread at times <laughs> yeah for yeah. Sh- for sure but i think it's um admirable that you're able to live up to that and and i'll tell you you know um Scott's always told me so many great things about you and the times that we've connected. Um, I admire you. I think you're, you're just your positivity, your perspective and, and everything that you bring to the table in the world, man. It's amazing. I, uh, well, thank you. I used to have a, uh, in my, in my last duty station, I had a photo of Bob Young on my desk, like hung up on the, the little wall there. And I don't know what that picture was from. I don't know if we were, it was like a, it was, yeah, it was. I was trying to get into the NCO Academy at Tyndall. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, we so had it was a, a picture. Yeah. So we had to do like the professional photo and his blues and all that stuff. And I had it on my wall. It wasn't framed or anything. It was just up on the, the little, not the cork board, the little the board that you have up there with the thumbtacks and stuff. <clears throat> and people walk by and they're like, who's that? I'm like, that's Bob Young. They're like, who is it? I go, you don't know who Bob Young is? Um, and so, but for me, it was that conversation starter because it, it was it, one, it was a constant reminder, uh, uh, of how to treat people and how to be empathetic. Cause Bob probably know Bob has probably taken some, uh, taken some abuse from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just when my poor leadership skills came out. Um, but it was always a good reminder. He's, he's nodding. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got, um, but no, I'm laughing because I don't ever, I like, when I think of top leaders, like you're there, like oh. your motivation, like to me, and and that's why I just kind of laugh. And it's like that we were just talking about the imposter thing. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I see, I see no wrong in this stuff about him. Yeah, so that's why I laugh. That's why I shake my head. Oh, well, now I'm blushing. Oh, oh we could list a yeah. whole bunch of those if we want to go there. We yeah, can yeah, start. We, can, we can give you a rundown. <laughs> well, hey, J- Joe, it might have been because I was there, and once I left, he. Maybe he was crap. Yeah, yeah, know. that's what happened. Uh, probably, probably. Yeah, he was probably. Yeah, uh, yeah see, see. <laughs> but but I but I would have that that photo, um, and it was weird because people it was people were like, "Who is that guy? Like, is that somebody? Is he in the is he in the PDG? Is that somebody we should know about?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like everybody needs their Bob Young. Everyone's like, uh, you know, you need that person that that can keep you grounded and that person that can keep you." Um, that reminds you of why you're really here. Um, and so those are, even though I was your, you know, superior in position, um, I, I think I probably learned more from you about leadership than I, I ever given, I ever gave to you. So um, thank you for, for all that, man. It just, you, and, and then, and then, and then making me feel guilty about stuff when you wanted to go do something crazy and <clears throat> Hey, let's go, you know, carry these sandbags up hills. And I'm like, Bob, it's, five o'clock in the afternoon. I'm tired. I had cancer. Okay, fine. We'll go. Let's go do it. So, um, yeah. And then, and then you talked me into letting you fight a mixed martial arts fight. See, we were going to get into it. Um, it was one of those things where I was like, I have to explain to the commander and I have to uh, fill out the, uh, the, the The waiver, waiver. safety waiver, but he did it. He trained for it and he won his first and only mixed martial arts fight. 
one and oh by TKO. Yeah, I mean it's great to have those goals, like like Joe was saying. I mean, setting those goals, what was it, six months before the fight and I was training like two, three a day training just to because you know, I told myself, hey, I get beat by someone better, but I am not getting beat by a bad gas tank or you know, not training enough for myself. Or by not so, trying. Right. Yeah, by not doing it. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's actually on an EPR. So I, I thank you very much <laughs> that my my mixed martial nice, uh, nice. arts fight is on an EPR. I had to put it on there. It's great. But yeah, it, it was amazing. And and, I, and and Joe's lists and goals, I mean, those I, I those get me pumped because, I, yeah, I need to get I need to get back <laughs> fitness wise. I love it. So thanks. Keep it up, Chief. All right. So, hey, this is this has been great. I think I think oh, we got a lot of that. <laughs> I, th I think we got a lot of goodness out of this. I mean, it's just it's refreshing to hear that there are leaders out there that, and you've always been this way mm -hmm. as, as far as I've known yeah. you. But there are people that are they really just put their people before themselves. They don't make leadership about them. Mm -hmm. They make it about the people who are uh, subordinate or or. Uh, that they work with. And, and I think there's a lot of lessons there that a lot of leaders can take. You know, mo most people, when they call themselves a leader, the first thing they do is <clears throat> they brag about how many people work for them or, you know, you know, how, how big their yeah, parking spot. <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. How big the organizational structure is. And, and uh, I, I remember um, we had there was somebody was retiring at Scott Air Force Base. It was, I think it was the AMC command chief. Mm -hmm. And so we had all the command chiefs from all the AMC bases there. And we had some former chief master sergeants of the Air Force there. And I think it was, I can't remember who it was. It was one of the former command uh, chief master in the Air Force. We're doing a professional development seminar in our building. And one of them asked us, what can we do better? And he said, you have to turn the organizational structure upside down. He goes, you, you make it, mm -hmm. he goes, some of you command chiefs walk around, like, look at all these people that work for me. He goes, it's the other way around. You work mm -hmm. for every single one of those people. Right. And, and like, I, mm -hmm. I, I was privy to sit in that room. I thought it was, I thought it was great. And like, you know, I felt honored that I got to sit in that room uh, and listen to that. But what I, what I thought was incredible was the aha and the light bulbs that came on for some of those, those chiefs in that room, because it was like, yeah, we have been doing this the wrong way. Um, we get more out of people when we support them and when we look out for them than we do about what they can do for us. Um, so, and, and Bob, you, 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 uh, that's, that's your MO, man. That's what you've been doing. And I appreciate it. And I learned a lot from you and I, and I know yeah. countless other people have as well. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you very much. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it's, I was hesitant to do this just because once again, with like I was talking about, like, what do I have to offer? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I know, I, I know we've talked, but it's like, you know, I've been, I've been listening to a lot of these podcasts and it's like, oh, you know, we, we all read a lot of the books, but I think a lot of it is, you know, our, our backstories, you know, the, this, the things we've went through. Um, that's what we bring. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's huge. The backstory, everyone, everyone has something, some kind of backstory. Um, and yours is, I think it's just incredible. Cause I don't know how many people would have said, no, I'm ready to get out. You know, I mean, cause you, you were given that opportunity when you were uh, still in tech school after, after treatment and all that. 
Oh yeah, definitely. I was med boarded. I was working in the records office and I just kept asking the uh, people in charge, like, what can I do? What can I do better? And they all wrote letters for me. So when mm -hmm. I did go get med boarded, um, you know, they all said, Hey, amazing workers doing great, you know, like mm. no issues. And so I felt like I owed the air force my life, you know, they took care of me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was a big part of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I really had no issues. Like I, I just felt like every, every year, especially early on, like every year that I spent alive, like I owed the air force just cause they kept me alive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it wasn't as bad as I got older. You know, I started like, okay, we're kind of evening this out. I'm giving a lot. <laughs> I pay my dues. <laughs> yeah, you know, after, you know, a few times in some D DFPs and freezing my tail off and, yeah. you know, deploying yeah. and working 20, you know, yeah. 207 days out of 208, you know, that, that started to change yeah. a little, but yeah, at first it definitely yeah. like, I owe, I owe big air force, yeah. everything. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, that, yeah. that check. <laughs> we balanced it, out the I ledger got, at the end. Yes, 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 yes. I agree. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But I, I just know a lot of people that could have just said, cause I'm pretty sure you're, you would have been high on the disability rating back then and just, Oh, cool. I don't have to work and I can just do this. And, and you're one of those, um, uh, you're, you're a treasure. You're one of those golden people that, you know, I think, like I said earlier, should have a Bob Young in your life, you know, to keep you grounded and to keep you, mm -hmm. um, you know, empathetic. So well, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate you joining us in the lounge and, and catching up with us and giving us a little bit of your background and your, and your story and, and giving us all a lot to think about. And I hope our listeners can really take this to heart and, yeah. and uh, walk away with something good. I thank you very much. And hopefully yeah. I was able to uh, stay on point and not ran, ramble too much. So thanks for giving me this opportunity. A little bit. I think you took a public speaking class one time or two. So you did all right. So, all right. So before we wrap up though, we always close these out with the leadership rapid fire. And we're going to ask you a series of questions. You can interpret these questions any way you like. Don't think too deeply about them. Don't overthink them. Got it. Uh, rapid them, fire. Yeah, but it won't be very rapid fire. We just call it that because it sounds cool. Uh, so the first is, uh, what is your favorite leadership trait? Ooh. Okay, not thinking too much. I mean, I'll say uh, compassion. Compassion. Leadership trait. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. What is your, uh, do you have a favorite leadership book or, or a resource that you would recommend to other leaders? Yeah, not, not books as much. Um, I use a lot of movies and okay. I think, uh, yeah, Shawshank. I mean, I pull Shawshank leadership quotes constantly. Um, yeah, movies are just vivid, you know, I, I, leadership books I, I read more murder mysteries so there's not much leadership unless you want to I mean I could tell you how to get get away with murder I guess and some of those things but um yeah when I read I, you I, never I know no one will need that yeah. we may need that so yeah I guess if I'm lacking I mean I don't I'm not reading as much leadership stuff but yeah I try to pull nuggets out of movies because um I just found that a lot of the people that I was supervising uh, they would understand that, you know, 
So I could ramble on that a little bit just because, you know, it's good to stay up when you're a, when you're a leader of young people. Listen to what's hip. Listen to what's on the radio. Listen to what's in the movies. Because once again, you can use a lot of that when you're helping uh, uh, build up these young airmen. And uh, just knowing that stuff can kind of help you out. That's a little little golden nugget there. That, you know, and, and it's funny because I remember you saying something pretty close to that when I first met you and I first interviewed you for a position. <clears throat> and I asked, you know, how do you how do you connect with some of these younger folks when they come in and and it's worked. I mean, it's and it's one of those things where um, it can be that icebreaker. It can be that little thing that shows that this person actually does care about things that we're interested in and not just trying to drag us to where they're at, but they actually are reaching down to where we're at. So that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Sorry, just mess up the rapid fire. But yeah, that's a really important thing is, you know, sometimes, like you said, the icebreaker is huge. Just yeah. saying a Post Malone song that they think you don't know anything about just kind of opens up stuff. Or, or writing your own song, your own rap that song. That is true. Fly, fight, yeah, and win. Fly, fight, win. That'll work really good. So, so Bob did write a song. <laughs> I have to find a recording of it somewhere. We're um, going to have to find that. It was like right <laughs> when the Airman's Creed came out. And it was yes. <laughs> fly, fight, and win. Fly, fight, yeah. and win. We have to find it. And we have to, yeah, it'll be our, our opening song. So, all right. So, a, uh, do you have a favorite quote or a favorite leadership quote? Um, I guess Eddie Vedder, uh, those who uh, forget the, past or destined to remember okay. as always is my favorite just because uh you know it's that whole learning from your mistakes you know you're smart learning from others you're a genius all right eddie better joe can appreciate that yeah. being from seattle all right and then lastly is how do you find your harmony between life learning and leadership because at the llama lounge and llama leadership we are all about life learning and leadership Um, so with wife and family, um, I definitely need to bring them, get them involved to everything. Example is like, you know, booster club and things like that. Um, pick things that you can do with your wife and daughter or husbands, whoever, um, make it part of your life. Like if not, and it's separate, then a lot of that you can get disharmonious. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I just make up a word, but, um, <laughs> A lot of that is, you know, especially during the military life, and now it's not so challenging, but, you know, try to, there's only so many hours in the day. So if you can get your, you know, get, get yourself, your family, whoever, your loved ones involved in what you're doing and spend time with them, you know, it's a lot better. You know, I, I find that. And also, you know, split and sometimes split it up. Like we're working from home a lot these days, maybe go work out at a park bench or something, get out of the house. So you're not working 24 seven at the house. Cause I know I found when I'm sitting at the house, I'll look at the clock and it's six or seven and I should have stopped hours before. And, um, you know, and then I'm not sleeping well cause it's yeah. just staying on my mind. So yeah, those are the things I try to do. Yeah. I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. All right. Well, Bob, again, really appreciate catching up with you and, chatting up with you joe it's always good seeing you as well good seeing you too scott and more more for you bob i, I really missed you man <laughs> you look great i feel great i feel great 
Uh, I just I need to get those uh, <laughs> yeah. that thousand miles myself this year, Chief. So get me, keep me going. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see your beard here in you know 20 years when you get out, right? Because you made Chief at like 12, right? 12 <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna have to I gotta figure out how to grow rank. one still yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at that game. point that's the thing yeah at that point we, they'll have some uh something you can take for that but um, no and, and it was yeah, funny scott paint, that paint when i showed up awesome. for scott's retirement and everybody knew who i was that that really shook me i was laughing because of scott's picture on the wall like everybody knew who i was and i was yeah, like yeah. oh my gosh that was that was like really hey bob <laughs> yeah, like, i mean there was people wanting me to bless their babies and, <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like yeah it was it was really funny like there's all these like high-ranking people and there's you know tech certain young walking around and people want his autograph and like you know could i give him a little wisdom i'm like oh my goodness I need a Pope mobile. <laughs> All right. Thank, thanks for this opportunity. Oh, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up again soon. So with that said, right. folks, this episode is a wrap. As always, stay safe, be healthy, and llamas are out. Llamas out. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.